everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people living average lives who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. I'm so thrilled because this week we have writer, director, and college professor who teaches a course on feminist horror on the show, Shana Connolly. She's a professor at DePaul University in Chicago and teaches a class called Psychotic Women in Horror Cinema, which she told me all about, and it's super interesting. We talked for an hour about how she fell in love with the genre, particularly how her obsession with ghosts turned a corner and led her to diving deeper into exploring things like the relationship between ghosts, trauma, and identity in her films. Her films such as Quiver and Gardening at Night have won numerous accolades and have been shown at dozens of festivals. We talk about her favorite feminist horror movies, her favorite final girl, and what movies inspired her to get into filmmaking. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and you haven't taken a second to rate and review us on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to do that. Um, and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people find us. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So I think I've rambled enough. Let's get into this conversation with Shana Connolly. Hey, Shana, how are you? I'm doing well, Allison. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, to start, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a filmmaker and a professor of film and television at DePaul University in Chicago. Awesome. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh my goodness. This is a hard <laughs> one, but I do have two that are really super special. I could probably expand that list in a matter of seconds, but uh, The Changeling, which is 1980 George C. Scott ghost story. Uh, I love that film so much. And then also Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Um, and I forget the year on that one, but that... Um, is also something that I saw early um, and way before I should have seen it. And it scared the hell out of me. Awesome. I have yet to watch Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I think it came out, isn't it like a, oh no, I don't, I was going to say 2000, but I don't think that's right. I think it's late, earlier. Late 70s. Yeah. Late it's, 70s. it's a lot earlier. Right. It's before yeah. the Changeling. Yeah. It's important okay. to note. It's not the Angelina Jolie changeling. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's, I was looking for the changeling last summer and it kept coming up with her and I'm like, I don't think that's the one. Nope. <laughs> so on your website, you say that ghosts and ghost stories fascinated you as a kid. Why do you think you were so drawn to these stories when most kids are, you know, terrified of ghosts? I don't, that's a good question, but I, I found a book in the library and I was, I could read early, so I was allowed to look at the older kids' books. My library was very persnickety usually about what sections you could go to as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I was allowed to go to the slightly older kids section and I found this book on haunted houses and it was in the nonfiction section. And I'm like, well, of course ghosts are real because an adult put this in the nonfiction section. So it's just like history or anything else. It's <laughs> true and it had pictures of ghosts in it and um uh you know famous ghost photography like the brown lady mm -hmm. um uh and i was just fascinated by it and i kept checking it out and i kept renewing it and i was just it was my favorite book and i started getting interested in in all sorts of paranormal things 
but I didn't find them scary. And I, I still don't find ghosts particularly scary. Even scary ghost stories, like The Changeling is a scary ghost story. And so is Let's Scare Jessica to Death. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm much more terrified by humans than I am by ghosts. That is something that a lot of people who come on here, that's what they have to say. They're like, humans are way scarier than, you know, the paranormal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Are there any ghost movies from the last decade that stick out particularly well in your mind that you really liked? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I actually just saw one from Indonesia called Impetigor. I think I'm saying it right. And it's terrifying and beautiful. And also um, uh, Uncle Bumi. Um, let me get the the actual name of that. That's a, uh, I don't know if you've seen that one. I have not, but I've heard that in Pedagore is really great. It's fantastic. Heard. It's yeah. really fantastic. So Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives, um, which is a really meditative, uh, beautiful film. Um, uh, and the filmmaker was actually educated at the School of the Art Institute, but he's Thai. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's a, it's a very, like if someone is scared of ghost stories and, uh, and afraid of watching ghost stories, that's actually a really good one to watch because it's not, it's not frightening. It's not full of jump scares. It's a very gentle film. Mm -hmm. And then also the waiting or no, I'm sorry, the wailing, the wailing yes. is <clears throat> just terrifying. Oh, that's the, is it South Korean? Yeah. I watched that a few weeks ago. I didn't find it very scary, but it was really? very, very long. I think I may have yeah. missed some things with the translation, but I was, I thought some of it was scary, but like, I, I think I missed a line or two of dialogue and I was like, I think I should have just sat down and not gone up because I think I missed something. Well, it's funny because what scares us is very individual and and what scares one person doesn't isn't yeah. guaranteed to scare somebody else and and those reactions are always important to keep in mind with horror films yeah definitely i have to ask uh since you said that ghosts don't scare you what does scare you um really and truly humans um i find uh being alone in the house not terrifying but walking at night uh, with the threat of people being around who I don't know <laughs> is, is scary. And that's been ingrained from a very early age. Um, I mean, I find a lot of our current circumstances terrifying. Uh, and and there's, there's real violence and real um, horror in the world. And those things are, are truly terrifying. So the more real it is, the more it is, it is someone's daily life, the scarier it actually is. Yeah, definitely agreed. So why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Oh, well, there's so many reasons to like horror. <laughs> it's cathartic. So, and it's a way of exploring the things that scare us in a very safe, controlled environment. Because even if your suspension of disbelief is working and you're really into the film and completely engrossed in it, you still somewhere know that it is finite. It is not actually happening to you. You're observing it. 
and the terror will come to an end. And feeling those feelings and purging those feelings by watching something that is terrifying um, makes us feel safer, actually, in the world. Yeah, there were a number of studies last year that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown during COVID better than non-horror movie fans. So that might, may, might have been why. I believe but, it. Plus, we were so happy to just stay home and watch movies. Indeed. Do you have a large horror movie collection? I do. I have a large movie collection, kind of full stop. Um, and horror isn't the only genre that I like. Um, so I have a I have a lot of films, and I like physical media a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Who would you say are your favorite horror directors? Well, I love John Carpenter. Um, I really love John Carpenter, and The Thing is another one of my absolute favorite films. I could rewatch that. That's actually a very comforting film. Um, oh, I also really like Karen Kasama, um, who did The Invitation, Yeah, um, which is another modern horror film, which I think is yeah. fantastic. I recently rewatched that. It, yeah, it's so good. It really is. <laughs> um, oh, trying to think. I do, I, I like Jennifer Kent. A lot, although I'm 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 conflicted about the Nightingale. That that is a tough movie to watch. That is a, yeah. I don't think I can rewatch that film. I don't think there's any reason to rewatch that film. But the Babadook is fantastic. Oh yeah, I I rewatched that with some friends on a Passover. We were like, this is what people do on Passover. Of course. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So we met through mutual friends when they heard me actually on Passover talking about my love of horror movies and this podcast. And she mentioned that you teach a course on horror movies at DePaul University, like you said. Um, you've created a number of courses for them, one of which is called The Supernatural in Film and Psychotic Women in Horror Cinema. I'd love to hear why you created a course on this topic and what films you cover in the course. Oh, a great question. So. Um, <laughs> It really is this kind of the same course, um, you know, with my interest in, in horror films and I'm particularly interested in the supernatural. So the first time that I taught it, I realized I actually didn't show a lot of horror films, but I showed films that highlighted supernatural events like The Double Life of Veronique, which is by Kieslowski. And that's about a doppelganger. Again, not, not a scary movie, but supernatural. Um, then I was getting more and more interested in, the second time I taught it, I did teach horror cinema. So I showed The, the Haunting and I showed um, Audrey Rose, which is the same director. Um, both of those films are just fantastic and, and scary. Um, I've shown The Babadook. And they're talking about motherhood. Um, and I show a lot of clips as well. I show the invitation. Um, but I did start to get much more interested in films like Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which play with this line of um, a female protagonist. And it's unclear if she is haunted or if she is insane. And so that line is explored particularly with women um, in a lot of different films. And I've used also different books in that, in that class. And um, I've taught two iterations of, of Psychotic Women. 
the first time I um, used the book by Kirla Janess, um, Psychotic Women, which is part memoir, part horror history. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just a, a glorious book. And she's done fantastic work uh, with genre cinema. And then the next time I taught it, I used a, another one of my favorite books, which is called Ghostland by Colin Dickey. And that connects ghost stories and hauntings um, to personal history and to the history of place uh, in America. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous book. If, wow. if I were going to write a book on ghosts, it would have been Ghostland by Colin Dickey, and he did a much better job than I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that out. So is it about, it's about ghosts in America, in places in America? Yeah, it's, he, he has a chapter on the Winchester House. Oh, wow. Um, he goes into some um, uh, s smaller ghost stories, but it, it, it talks a lot about haunted histories. Uh, in different parts of the U.S. And he wrote another, his follow-up book is um, about conspiracy theories, hmm. including things like UFOs and things like that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a really, and he's an engaging writer. So <laughs> um, other films that I've shown in that class, well, I always show clips from The Brood, but I don't usually show the whole film. Um, and I think the only film that I've shown in every single iteration of the class has been The Haunting, the 1963 Haunting. But I also showed Gaslight. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, and it's it's not it, it's not really a horror film. It's um, a mystery thriller, but it's where the term gaslighting came from. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're going to talk about women in yeah. horror cinema, um, you know, <laughs> let's scare Jessica to death is a lot about gaslighting uh, wow. the protagonist. And so it's a good one to start out with, especially connecting horror to current events and things like that, which I did in the second iteration of Psychotic Women. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Um, is it mostly women who take your course or is it a mix? Uh, when it's called Psychotic Women, it's mostly women. <laughs> when it's not called psychotic women, it's more mixed, which was very interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is interesting. Have any of your students, when you're discussing these films, ever said anything mind-blowing or, you know, said something that you hadn't thought of before? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that I can think of specific examples, but really my students, um, the discussions, particularly in that class, always are great and you know my students are deep thinkers and and make connections well so i'm i'm continually um amazed by by the humans in my class yeah that's awesome are classes online right now for depaul or are they in person no they are mm -hmm. online i've been online since spring but the plan is to go back in the fall fingers crossed fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> Was it hard to convince the faculty at DePaul to accept the curriculum for this class? Um, I've had a little bit of trouble convincing um, people of some of the, the content that, that I teach. Uh, horror cinema was a pretty easy sell because um, I could sell it as horror cinema, which is a 
-hmm. conventional genre with a lot of unconventional work within it. So um, that was not particularly controversial. Um, do you ever show Rosemary's Baby when you're talking about gaslighting and women in horror? Uh, I haven't mainly, well, for two reasons. One, now I do love that film, but I, I can't in good conscience show anything by Roman Polanski now. Uh, yeah. I, I have shown Repulsion in the class. Um, and the only reason I didn't show Rosemary's Baby at the time, um, when I was still okay with uh, showing Polanski, um, is it's it's too long. Um, and it does have a really disturbing uh, rape scene in it. That said, I've shown the entity, okay. um, which um, I, I that's another one that I it's that is terrifying because it's about a woman who is possessed yeah. by a demon um, and it has very graphic supernatural rape scenes in it. And that's another one where I think I don't want to watch that film again. And I probably would never show it again. I might talk about it though. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that film, but my friends and I play horror movie trivia on Zoom every Sunday. And there's a question that comes up every now and then, like mm -hmm. what a woman is raped by a ghost. What movie is this? So, um, but hearing you talk about it, I probably don't need to ever watch it. That's probably another one like, um, the last house on the left that I never need to watch again. Yes. And I, I have kind of a, I, I got to a point where, especially at festival horror festivals, I was seeing a lot of um, rape revenge films, both shorts, shorts and feature length. And they're actually very um, taxing. Like the, it's yeah. the subject matter. And while I liked the film Revenge, the modern film Revenge. And in theory, I had a hard time watching that as well. I, I guess I wanna watch um, films where women are not brutalized uh, physically and somehow emotionally, br emotional brutalization, I don't know why this is, is easier to palette in a horror film. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. That's reasonable. Have you seen Promising Young Woman yet? I have, and it's was very different than I thought it was going to be. Um, I really, I, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say anything in case someone hasn't seen it. But I was expecting something like Revenge, mm -hmm. and it is not like that at all. And and was was really quite surprised um, by it, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it too. The ending was hard, but yes. But I think it was probably true to life. Yeah, I, I appreciated the ending. I'm I'm glad the ending was what it was. Yeah. Um, so you are also the faculty advisor for DePaul Film Fatales. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it Fatales or Fatales? I don't know. Fatales. Fatales, mm -hmm. uh, which is a student organization dedicated to increasing the number of films by, for, and about women, which is awesome. When did you form this group and how's it been going? Well, it's a student organization. So um, a few, several years ago, maybe eight years ago, um, there was a group of uh, five students who um, uh, got together and, and formed this group. And it's changed quite a bit over the years. And we're kind of reevaluating um, uh, what, what really are the needs 
um, of the group, but I'm always surprised, particularly in production classes, when um, the majority of the, cla the class, men and women and non-binary folks and trans folks all have a cis white man as their protagonist. And we see so many films um, that were being submitted for other types of, for, for grants, because um, we have a grant associated with that group. Um, and they were almost always about men and cis men and white men. <laughs> and so that that's, um, we wanted a place where um, women could also uh, kind of get things that they were not getting. So film is a very technical medium. And whenever, one of the things that the students said to me initially is that when they, when the women would go to a, um, a workshop, um, that the men in the group would ask all the questions, not let them ask questions, have their hands on the gear and push the women to the back. So we've had gear demos and um, specialized, uh, specialized workshops that are um, aimed to promote women as directors, as producers, as DPs in these highly technical positions um, and are trying also to be able to to completely staff a film that is women, uh, where everyone in a creative position is, or a key creative position is female, because uh, it's a different dynamic on set. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I have to ask, who are your favorite final girls? Mm, oh my. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that right now. That's a question I've never been asked before. Really? In your yeah. line of work? I can't believe I know, that. I know. Isn't that weird? I, no, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank. All right, I'll ask, I'll ask you again later. See okay. if you come up with anything. Well, Halloween, I mean. Lori? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I grew up on, on Halloween and Halloween is also one of, like that one, that, that first one stands up. Although I have to say, I also really liked the latest Halloween um, and was so, I got into a lot of fights with the latest Halloween um, with, you know, 60 year old Jamie Lee Curtis fighting back. And I, that is awesome. Like there's nothing like seeing a woman with silver hair kicking ass on screen. Oh, I know. And, we need to see more of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of like, I mean, Lin Shay doesn't kick ass on screen. She kind of does other things to help movies, plot mo plots in movies, but like she kind of, she kind of like made her career when she was like in her fifties or her sixties. And now yep. she has the entire Conjuring franchise. Yep. So do you like those movies since you like I those do. movies? I do. Which one is your favorite? Uh, the first one. First one, yeah. The first one. Um, I did also, this is controversial, controversial, but I did also like her, Hereditary. Why is that controversial? It's such a good movie. I think so too, but I know a lot of people who really hated it. And, and another movie, recent movie, we're, I'm going off topic, but another recent movie <laughs> that, 
<laughs> that I liked, which a lot of people hated, was Mother by Aronofsky. I did see that once. The uh, yeah, that's another one. It's like you never need to see that again, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that to me, no, I I do not want Aronofsky. I don't think he knows what he did. I don't think he should be given credit for that film. Um, <laughs> because I think it was an accident, um, but he made a film that felt like what I feel like as a woman moving through the world. Um, and it's brutal. Yeah. And for that reason, I don't need to see it again, but I did really appreciate that about it. I don't think that was his intention. And I hate hearing him talk about that movie. I just <laughs> don't want him to open his mouth at all. It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard him talk about it, but I will not go look for videos now. So avoid, avoid yeah. at all costs. Yeah, he's, he's an idiot about it. He just, he, yeah. Um, I remember seeing that in theaters and it was so different from what I expected. And the lights came up and I was like, I'm glad I saw that, but I don't ever need to see it again. I'm really not sure what I just watched. Yeah. So it was rough. Way too um, familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on your website, it says that uh, you have a lifelong obsession with ghosts and, and it led you to explore trauma, place, identity, and the link between fear and desire. Do you remember when your obsession with ghosts turned a corner for you and led you to dive deeper into things like trauma and identity? Well, they're linked with ghosts, right? Um, the idea of a ghost story is that the, the person has died traumatically um and that there's some something about their identity that needs to be resolved something about their death or something that happened to them in life and that's the reason why they come back and haunt um but also with feminist horror um uh you know this female identity and female just being female is a haunted state you're um you're sometimes present and sometimes absent sometimes seen and and visible in a way that's uh uh uncomfortable like when when we want to hide because we're feeling threatened um and at other times when um we're looking to advocate for ourselves or um wanting to to be authorities, be people who are in power and also empowering, and we're not given those opportunities, we're made invisible. So female identity is really linked to the trauma of the everyday. Um, and of course, it's really important to recognize that, that gender is a spectrum and non-binary people um, and trans women and trans men feel this much more acutely than a cis, uh, a cis woman. Um, but it's, it, identity is really linked to horror. That's really interesting. Um, if somebody needed to teach themselves a little bit more about feminist horror, what would you say is the ultimate feminist horror movie or like the top five? Mm. <laughs> Well, I really love Jennifer Reeder's Knives and Skin. Oh, okay. Um, and she also came from an experimental film background and, and that works so much to the film's benefit. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. 
Uh, I do think The Invitation is a feminist horror film. Even How come? The, even though the main character is uh, a man, um, he's given a lot of female attributes, traditionally female attributes. And it's a, it's, that film is definitely a, made from a female perspective. You can tell that that is a uh, female director. Um, Jennifer Kent's Babajik with uh, dealing with motherhood. Mm-hmm. I think there, there are films, there are two films by men that have strong female protagonists. Um, uh, Robert Wise's The Haunting. And the protagonist is not, it is talked about as if she is not strong, uh, as if there's something wrong with her the whole time, but she actually uh, makes decisions for herself and advocates for herself throughout the film from standing up to her sister in the beginning uh, so that she can go on this retreat. And it also has a strong female relationship with her female roommate, Theo. Um, And what was the other Uh, images by Robert Altman, uh, I feel is a strongly, has strong feminist themes in it as well, Um, which, also deals with identity and memory. Um, The film Raw. I have not seen that. (laughs) So I don't really like body horror. I'm quite quite squeamish about it. And um, I loved Raw, really loved Raw, highly recommend it. Um, And that is a great feminist film as well. Interesting, I've never heard anyone say that. I don't know if I will go watch it because I'm very squeamish as well, but maybe. <laughs> um, so since you love the 1963 haunting, what did you think of Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House? Oh, um, I thought you were going to talk about the Catherine Zeta-Jones remake. And that's I've, never seen, I've never seen the 1963 version. I have to. I saw the 1999 version when I was younger in theaters. I love it. I know it's not great but everyone always makes fun of me. So I have to admit that I do love that one, but I understand why you think it's crap. (laughs) Well, I saw the 63 one first. That makes a huge difference. (laughs) But when you see something in the theater and it speaks to you, you can't undo that. Like that's, that's going to be with you forever. And don't let anyone shame you about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Including me. (laughs) I don't like that film, but I have a very different perspective, but I, I have those movies too, where it's like, this viewing experience was so meaningful for me that I got to honor that. Yeah. Um, oh, I liked it. I actually, I actually quite liked it. And there's the one episode with all of the long takes, which is just beautiful. And uh, the, the film was flawed or the, the miniseries was flawed. Um, but I don't care. I don't want to watch them though. I think that is too traumatic. And I think that that's actually also really quite problematic because it it seems to exploit uh, black trauma and that's not okay. <laughs> I remember Jordan Peele was trending on Twitter after that trailer got released and they're like, somebody said they need to pay uh, Jordan Peele for this royalties for this. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. But yeah. So um, the invitation keeps coming up. At what point during that dinner party do you think you would have left? Oh my God. <laughs> um, 
I think about that actually. It's funny because I uh, uh, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm not a big dinner party person to begin with. So I would have been like the girlfriend in the car. Like I don't. I really don't want to go to this thing at your ex-wife's house. <laughs> At your your old house, yeah. um, the site of trauma. <laughs> um, so I I think I I bet I would have there would have been no movie because I would have found a way to stay home and watch a movie in bed. <laughs> Good for you. That yeah, that's what everyone should do in that situation. I didn't mention us in terms of feminist horror that again, another uh, male director, but that is particularly about black women's suffering. Yeah. Um, I just rewatched that the other day and it's, I like Get Out better, but us is still fantastic. Yeah. There are just so think, many layers to it. Yeah, I think us, I, I agree. Get Out still resonates with me so much, but I think us is the more complex film that makes me think more. Yeah, um, there aren't as many clear-cut explanations of things in Us, so you can't, there's not as many opportunities for conjecture, whereas right. in Us, uh, Get Out, you like, oh yeah, they said that because they actually meant this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so do you remember the first ghost horror movie you saw growing up or what movies really inspired you to get into filmmaking? Uh, well, let's go Jessica to death because I saw it far too early, um, really was one of those films for me and it, it haunted me for a long time and I didn't see it again. So I saw it several times when I was teeny tiny, like around seven and eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I didn't see it again until I went to teach it. And I'm just shocked at how well it stands up. Um, and then the, the film that really made me want to go to film school was actually La Jetée, which is Chris Marker. It's a short film. It was the inspiration for 12 Monkeys. And I do like 12 Monkeys, but La Jetée is a far superior film because um, filmmaking is really about time and place. Um, and La Jetée deals with both time and place um, in a way that, that makes it about cinema itself. It's a science fiction film about a man obsessed with a memory from his past um, at Orly Airport and, and is then used uh, after a catastrophic event, he's used to um, uh, try to help save the world. And it's 20 minutes long, it's all still images except for one moving image. Oh, wow. That sounds really interesting. What was it called? La Jetée. La Jetée. All right. I'll, yeah, have to, I, I'll have to track it down. Chris Marker. It's it's on Criterion. Oh, okay. Uh, so cool. still available. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I still need to watch Let's Scare Jessica to Death, but um, my yoga teacher last year, she was like, Allison, there's this house with this plaque on it uh, near my parents' beach house. I'll have to take a picture of of it for you and send it to you because I think it's from a horror movie and it's the house from Let's Scare Jessica to Death. So wow. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Um yeah, so it was cool to say, but I yeah, so I need to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, very definitely. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've written and directed a number of films. 
On your website, you say that your films explore hauntings that are caused by morning mornings. What got you interested in making films on this very specific topic? Um, well, ghosts, like ghost stories are all about grief and mourning. Um, and so uh, I made, two, so I made two narrative films. The, the rest of the work, I, so I have a series that um, deals with hauntings and two of those eight films are narrative. Um, and one is a very specific situation of a protagonist waiting um, to get the final news that a friend has died. Um, and the other one is, um, so that one is called Gardening at Night. And then the other one is called Quiver, which is um, really coming out of that grief um, and, and feeling something for the first time. Because one of the, one of the things about grief is that um, it really, it, it zombifies us in a way. Um, it it kind of shuts us down and um, turns off our emotions. Uh, so we're just sort of functionaries going through the world for a time period after that. And then something starts to rekindle, so something happens where you start to feel something again. And that's what Quiver is about. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I read on your site that Gardening at Night is semi-autobiographical. Yeah, two of the films in the series are autobiographical. So two of my most important friends uh, died um, very close together. And Gardening at Night is about my friend Anne, who I met when I was six. Oh, wow. So I really, she was my oldest friend um, and also someone that I had uh, recent contact with uh, up until she got sick. Um, and the other one is an, uh, called Yours Is Not the Taj Mahal. That's a film that's, it, that's a non-narrative film um, about a very important friend, kind of that, that pivotal college friend um, who is a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> And, and uh, she put up with a lot of my naivete and, and taught me a lot about life and friendship and the world. And um, she died uh, not long after Anne. And uh, so I made a non-narrative film about her. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry that you lost both of them, but it seems like something, something good came out of it. Yeah, filmmaking is a good way to explore grief. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read that uh, you used REM song Gardening at Night in the film, but they were actually sort of hesitant to let you use it. Can you tell that story a little bit? Well, I actually didn't end up using it, but I oh, okay. did. But it is a great story. So um, <laughs> my, my husband was uh, friends with the drummer, Bill Rieflin, who took over after uh, the original drummer uh, from REM uh, retired. And so I wanted to use the, the song Gardening at Night. It's a, it's a mournful song, it's, um, but it's not very slow. Uh, and so I, I contacted our friend, Bill, and he put, us, he put me in touch with the band manager. <laughs> and I had to send him the script and I got permission from the band to use it. So I had to pay $150, I think, 
for which is was the company thing but the band waived their fee so the band mm -hmm. didn't charge me at all and then there was a lot of turnover in the company and I had shot the film and I was about to edit it I was in the process of editing it and um uh was pushing them to give me permission to use it from this is from the label um it was the label I had to pay the money the 150 bucks too. And um, uh, they said, yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. Oh, but you can't call it gardening at night. And I was like, that's the, it's not titled after the REM song. The only thing that happens in the film, the woman sits and waits. And then she goes into her garden at night and starts weeding and planting. And that's why it's called Gardening at Night. I can't change the title. <laughs> <laughs> and finally they relented. But um, when we had a rough cut and we put the song in over the credits, which is where I wanted to put it originally, it, it was too fast. Mm -hmm. the, the, the tone was right, but the tempo was all wrong. So I actually ended up um, using dialogue from my friend Anne. Um, but I had to have an, an actress uh, read it. So my friend Anne, uh, someone recorded her when she was in the hospital and asked her what she was grateful for. Oh, wow. And it's her reading that. And I asked the, the guy who recorded it if I could use it, but the, and he, he sent it to me, but it was really terrible quality. So ah. I transcribed it. And I had the actress who played Anne's ghost in, in my film read it. And that ended up over the credits instead of the R.E.M. song. But I do thank them in the credits. Oh, wow. That's a great story. That sounds like a very haunting thing to have over the credits. Yeah, yeah it's it's my favorite credit sequence that that of, of one of my films. I think it, it's it works really well. Awesome. Uh, so speaking of ghost movies that are more sad than scary, have you seen the movie A Ghost Story? Yes, I have. And I really like it, though. That is another one that I'm conflicted about because of Casey Affleck. Oh, wait, what has he done? <laughs> oh, he's been accused also of uh, uh, sexual harassment. Oh. Um, and um, he ended up paying the two women that accused him. Oh, okay. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's like, I thought it was an interesting movie and it was really sad, but if I don't, if I can't watch it again, it's fine. I, I do really like that film. And the film also has humor in it. That's, that's like yeah. humor and pathos. I, I, I do really love the film um, a lot. And the pie eating sequence is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so how do you decide what horror movie you want to watch when you're looking just for something new or a repeat watch? Uh, it depends on, so sometimes I have a, a goal, like I'm looking for something for work, for class. Sometimes I have, um, I'm looking to research something to solve a problem creatively that I'm having. Um, like pretty, I'm writing a feature horror film right now. And so pretty soon I'm going to be looking for scenes that 
kind of parallel what I'm trying to do in, in there. Um, and sometimes I'm just looking for, I'm to satisfy kind of a particular mood, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you have any favorite streaming services that you, you always go to? Uh, well, I, I have a lot. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> as, as we all do nowadays. Exactly. So I've replaced my exorbitant cable bill with <laughs> way too many streaming services yeah. and not enough time to watch all the movies. But um, yeah, I mean, I have uh, Prime and Shudder and the Sundance channel actually um, had several things that I wanted to watch um, on it and Netflix. Uh, yeah, those are those are my go tos. I, I haven't gotten the Criterion channel because uh, I own a lot of Criterion films and um, but for more obscure films, um, Mubi, I like a lot. It's M-U-B-I. Oh, OK. I haven't heard of that before. And they they do a lot of um, world cinema. Oh, fun. Yeah. Very cool. So back before COVID, when we were all piling into movie theaters and next to each other in close quarters, uh, did you ever have any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Yes. <laughs> um, it, and it was Contagion. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So, you know, back in the day when pandemics were fiction, <laughs> when we didn't really get it, yeah. but I'm watching Contagion, which is a horror film, um, and someone coughed and it, during, during a quiet part and everyone flinched. <laughs> everyone was just like, oh, <laughs> stop breathing. <laughs> um I remember seeing that movie and then after my friend that I was with was like I'm gonna go wash my hands twice yeah yes and then burn them off <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I'm half vaccinated I'm getting my second shot on Monday and then I might go back to the movies maybe I don't know but I'm definitely gonna wear a mask still yeah so. our my local movie theater just reopened to a maximum of 50 people yeah. in, the, in a very big theater. That's so good. so COVID postponed a bunch of horror movies from being released last year. Which one are you most excited to see this year? Candyman. <laughs> that is a very common answer. Yes, me too. Of course, because you're in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so I had it written down because it was originally supposed to come out on September 25th. Mm -hmm. And it was postponed until September 25th and yeah. then got postponed again. And I put it in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very excited about that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see where they go with the story and how they kind of continue it. And of course, uh, Jordan Peele's influence on it, as well as a female director. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, if you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? Mm, what a great <laughs> question. Oh my, now I'm just, my mind is just, what's a horror movie that needs to be remade? Or that I just would like to have directed? There are a lot of them. Take your time. I can cut the, cut the pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a long pause. Oh no, oh no. Um, I wonder what the changeling would be like with a female protagonist. Oh, that's a good one. 
yeah, I've only, a lot about that film. Um, I remember reading that Alien was written with a male protagonist, and then they just cast Sorani Weaver. Weaver. Um, so I feel like it's not related at all to what you said, but I don't know. I thought of that. That's really, you can see it though. You can yeah. see it in the way that uh, her dialogue is in the movie and her actions. That was so unusual for a woman to behave the way that she behaves in that film. And it's perfect. It's beautiful. I know. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. I also, I love um, the cat in the movie. Yes. Jonesy. Yeah, Jonesy. Um, okay, my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Oh my. Um Hannibal Lecter. How come? He's fascinating. I'm also vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I wouldn't have to worry about what he was cooking. <laughs> I don't want to eat his food. But I would, I, yeah, Hannibal. And I loved the TV series so much. Oh, cool. I haven't seen it before, but I've, I've heard good things. It's great. And the third season, I, I watched it when it was on broadcast TV. And I, the whole time I'm like, I don't understand why that this is NBC. Because <laughs> it does not seem like it's, it's not, it, it should never have happened. That's one of the most fascinating things about that show. All right, now you've piqued my interest. The rest of my weekend is gone. I'm just going to stream it. <laughs> it's worth it. Totally worth it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online? And are you offering the, your class online over the summer? Over the summer, no. I'm hoping to teach uh, another version. I don't know what the title will be, but I'm hoping to teach a horror class next year. Um, I think I'm going to... I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about a title. So, um, uh, and then it, then hopefully also it would be in person, but you can find me. Uh, I have a website through DePaul University. I'm reachable there, or I'm reachable through my sadly outdated, but still active uh, website, chainaconnolly.com. Uh, so I'm searchable and you can find two, two different ways of getting in touch with me if you want to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, learning all about feminist horror from you. Thanks so much, Allison. This was really fun. Have a good one. You too. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shanna Connolly, and thanks again to Shanna for coming on. I'll leave links to her socials in the show notes. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. Or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at hello at who's Until next time, stay scary and wear a mask.